Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. The Sooners win. They go to 5-0. They beat Iowa State 50-20. to They cover the spread. They are 5-0 against the spread, and that means something. Solid win, but not perfect. I'm Steve. Lucas. Connor. So Jay's not with us, so we got the true Two Homers and a Realist take. We'll get Jay's take on it, I'm sure, in the midweek pod. We can probably see it on Twitter, though. Yeah, it's probably all over Twitter, <laughs> as those who are following us on Twitter know, and anybody that's following Jay and, and all of his travails. I'd like to give a special thought for our sponsor, Tobacco Exchange. Um, they're obviously the, the place to go to get cigars. We're enjoying some cigars tonight. Great selection, best prices in the metro area, three great convenient locations, more, which is our home store, but also Oklahoma City and Edmond. Lucas, what are we smoking tonight? We're smoking a Room 101 Johnny Tobacconaut. And it started off kind of mild, but it's it's working its way down as I go go through it. Getting a little more rich. Yeah. Picking, up, picking up the pace for it's sure. It's definitely picking yeah, up the pace. Getting a little spice midway through and a yeah. uh, little pepper hint. It is. There's definitely some pepper to it. It's got an astronaut with a shovel on the wrapper, so that's kind of interesting. It's like how we buried Iowa State tonight. Just like we did bury Iowa State. So thank you to, to Tobacco Exchange. Let's get right to it, guys. So this game was weird. It was it was a solid win. It was exciting under the lights. We got some some you know strobing light shows as we expected we would. A lot more of that because we got a lot more scoring than some of us expected. Some of us thought we would get into the 40s. We actually got into the 50s, and that's with only two scores in the second half, one of them being a field goal. So kind of interesting how much scoring we got. We got a little, uh, gave up a few scores that were um, maybe something to be concerned about, maybe something that we can explain away. We'll see. Uh, what do you guys' take? What do you, what's your initial takeaway, Lucas? Well, the defense scored nine points with the uh, opening interception for a touchdown the first drive and then later in the game we had a blocked punt that should have been a touchdown but trace ford decided to <laughs> roll over and throw the ball out of the end zone <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up with a safety which a lot of times is helpful because you're gonna get the ball back and if you can go score right away then right. that that turns into nine points instead of instead of a seven point touchdown yeah but we didn't it ended up kicking a field goal on that drive and only got five out of the deal yeah i found that a little frustrating um I hate it when you leave points on the board and, and miss opportunities like that because nothing's guaranteed. You've got to be more controlled under that situation. Definitely. I mean, there's if even if there's an Iowa State guy back there, if the punter gets back there and is on the ball, you're at least tackling him at the one or even in the end zone for a safety regardless. You've got to be clean when you're when you're trying to recover that ball. Petaway was right there to pick it up, too, if Trace Ford didn't, didn't roll over and toss and it. And toss it. Yep. And, and it ended up only being five points because we yep. settled for a field goal so it on the ensuing drive so that that was you know a net uh swing of two points that was um kind of frustrating but Peyton, hey how Peyton about Peyton Bowen, Peyton Bowen second block blocking a season. second punt the, and and getting back there and blocking it like nobody's and then business. you just destroy the kicker you just the destroyed block. it perfect like <laughs> yeah not even close I he, thought he was going to just catch the ball it off kicked foot. In, into his foot and <laughs> yeah. didn't go yeah yep. that was so great. that was pretty awesome what else um we gave Dylan Gabriel a bunch of flack this week. On, um, we felt like he was overhyped online and on TV. And today he really showed this was probably his best game in a Sooner uniform, I'd have to say. Um, it looked like he had a little more zip on the ball. Um, his deep balls still leave some lacking there with the underthrow to Brendan Thompson was really bad. 
there was a play where we were, he was going to the south end zone. He threw into coverage. Uh, uh, I don't know which receiver was in the corner, but we had another receiver in the area, and that defender came off the ball to kind of knock it away. But meanwhile, Nick Anderson is literally jumping up and down on the H in Oklahoma, yep. hoping to get the ball. Uh, Gabriel got flushed out of the pocket to the left on that one and then just didn't look back over and see him. So those, sh- those kind of things happen, but – Overall, I mean, what did what did he go? Twenty six for thirty nine. So there was some, there was a couple throwaways in there. There was a couple um, miscommunications with the receivers not running the right route. The interception was really bad to me. He got really mad at Farouk for not coming back to the ball or whatever he was mad about or not running the right route. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good performance by the offense. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. Um, pretty holistically there. I, Again, I'm not I'm not ready to sit here and say that I'm gonna completely um, abandon my feelings towards Dylan Gabriel. I think there's a lot to be desired there in terms of what I want in a quarterback, um, and that's selfish in, in some senses. But at the same time, I, I I still think a a performance like today isn't gonna put us over the top at the end of the day. Um, I do agree with you, Lucas. I think it probably was his best game in in. A senior uniform. I think there were some throws that he made that we didn't see last year and haven't seen up to this point. That one to Stogner was fantastic on the well, side, and, on and the even sideline. Yeah, even the catch by Stogner, who is basically a, a shell of what he used to be yeah. as a player, um, also impressive. So yeah, that was a great throw. Um, the thing I, I liked seeing today with with Dylan was the continued pass blocking that we have and him being able to sit in the pocket and. And actually, capitalize on that. Re, he was he was going through his progression. Yeah. I think better today <clears throat> than he's done at any time this season. I would say that um, he didn't look as scared when the pocket collapsed no. around him. He stepped into it. He better. looked very confident. He was confident on the run. Had a couple runs. He took off and ran. So he had a couple of design runs that were really well executed. But he also had a couple of impromptu runs that were was the exact right decision at the right time, decisive. Got the first down. Got one of them. Got got the first down and slid, but did a great job of sliding after he's clearly passed Past the, the stick sticks. Yeah, and p- potentially could have been. Uh, I mean, it's very close. I don't think it was a late hit or a bad hit on a quarterback, but it's really close. So he played that perfectly. So yeah, a lot of compliments for him in in those regards. I will say the thing we've been critical of continues. He does not throw the deep ball well, and. That's been our biggest, one of our biggest sources of contention. And today he did not throw the deep ball well. He threw two deep passes that were caught that were, I'm going to call it the top gun approach. We're going to hit the brakes and they'll fly right by because the defense flies by the receiver who's having to, needing to come back for the ball. No one's expecting except the receiver to come back for it. That's a lot of compliments to your receiving core to know to come back for that ball. One of them was to Anderson. Was Anthony the other one? No, it was Brennan Thompson. Brennan yeah, Thompson, Thompson yeah. that's right. Where that both defenders great. run by him. That was him. his first catch. Yeah, for, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good. I, did, good on I him. did think that we you talked a lot about him not getting the ball up and allowing the receivers to catch and go afterwards. The very first throw was a flea flicker to Andrew Anthony, I think. Uh-huh. And he had to go down to catch it. Yep. And then there was maybe one other one that looked like he was purposely throwing it down. on. It was a, I think it was a third down where he threw it. It was an out route, 
that needed to be thrown down to just make make the catch and get the first down. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the catches or a lot of the throws today were higher up yep. in the chest level yep. to allow the receivers to actually catch the, especially Make like a move. curl route. Yep. He would throw a curl route and he would hit them in the numbers. They could catch it. And even if they turned and got two more yards, that's more than them having to go down their knees to make the catch. Yes. Which it's like with some of those though, like I want some of those balls to go to, to Nick Anderson. Like we saw the last couple of weeks where Anderson's catching and going, maybe he was covered or just wasn't a part of the scheme as much. But one thing I've noticed that I want to see more of is those breakaway routes over the middle of the field, those quick slants that he's hitting the receiver in stride, and we have a guy going and making a 20-yard run after the catch, right? I want to see that more consistently. I don't think we've seen a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Anderson's a slant guy, though. No, and I'm not saying with Anderson specifically. Gotcha. I just mean in general. Yeah. Um, Stogner's definitely not. It seemed like we had a lot of comeback in the, like uh, curl routes today. That, right. Which I'm that, okay with. That like, def- yeah, if you're, if that's get getting, perfect, a, if you're getting eight to 12 yards on those. Every play. Oh, it's yeah, perfect all against day. that defense. Yeah. yeah. That so, was, it was, you know, I have to give it props to Levy today. It seemed like his game plan was much better than it had been. Mm-hmm. I against only, an I Iowa had State defense winning, that we all were highly touting. Um, I had us winning 27-17, and yep. so we, did, we gave up 20. But scoring 50 and could have been a couple more was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even though, well, the defense got a touchdown to start it. But um, – I thought Lebby's game plan, it seemed like his flow was better on when to run and when to pass. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe he just likes playing against that type of the 3-5-3 or whatever they run. Um, so the guy sitting next to me at the games told me that one of their, their best safety got a DUI this week and wasn't playing. I don't know. I didn't, mm. I didn't check their roster before the game, but that might have helped us. And um, well, maybe again, hats off to Levy if he's capitalizing on a weak player yeah. and realizing Notice that there's the a backups mismatch. In there, yeah, yeah that, that's great. Yeah, that's what we expect to see. That's what we want to see. So I would say that the run blocking still is bad. Um, I'm concerned about run blocking. We're not opening up holes the way we need to. I'm cons- I'm concerned about the running back rotation. And I have a question for you guys: Is Major our best back? He got the most carries today and the most yards. Gabriel was the second leading rusher, if I remember the stats correctly. Um, They're pushing for Major to, to, to take the job, I think. Um, it seems clear. I mean, I, did Barnes didn't, Barnes touch, didn't the touch the field. Yeah. No, As, Britt mentioned in his postgame that he might still have some lingering issue from his, okay. his okay. spring surgery. No, I'm glad, okay. I'm, not that I want to hear that a guy's hurt, but I'm glad that's the reason it's not because of practice, practice. or yeah. something else. I mean, he played a little bit in the SMU game and then some more in Tulsa, and that's really all he's played this saw year. Chuck saw meaningful carries, but not as many as we'd like to see in a sense because I wanted to see us run the ball for for more production. We only had 157 yards rushing, which is right at our average, and that's with Dylan Gabriel having um, several big runs uh, contributing to that. So I'm Brought concerned Tawian about all as, of that. Uh, kind of that closer role, it yeah. looked like. He was in the closer role Came a little bit. So was Hallchuk, really. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, I think, to get over the hump of in, into the next plateau of being a really powerful offense, you're going to have to run the ball more effectively and more dependably. It may or may not come up in this coming week against Texas. That'll be something we'll touch on a lot, maybe in a minute or definitely in the midweek pod. Looking forward to Texas, but... In all of your games, it's going to become critical. You're going to get against a team. You're either going to get against a team who's going to really sell out against the pass, or you're going to want to salt a game away and be able to run the ball to eat up some yardage and eat up clock 
even if it doesn't result in a score. And I don't see us having that ability quite yet. I thought the defense was really, really good, as we would hope and, and have come to expect, with the exception of a couple of busted plays. But it really was just a couple of busted plays. The defense held the uh, held Iowa State scoreless for 36 minutes. They did not score in the second half. And they, they their last score was a field goal with like a 9.36 to go um, or something. So that I was pretty impressed by that. The, the busted plays, um, I think that it was – not that you ever want to see a busted play, but if you want to see a busted play, it's because of aggression. Yeah. It's not because somebody's completely out of position. And so we were playing very aggressive and gave up a couple of things where they happened to capitalize or got lucky, if you will. Um, one of them was a, a Key Lawrence opportunity for an interception, and perhaps he could have played it differently, but he was in a tough spot because of the way the ball was coming. I think he really felt like for a second he was going to get another inter interception, and then He's in a particular situation where if he hits the, the receiver, it could be a personal foul and could even be a targeting. Yep. So it's kind of tough. I understand you do want to have a, a you want to break up that pass one way or the other. But other than that, I don't have much of anything to criticize the defense about. Yeah, I mean, we don't give it like you said, we don't give up a score the last <clears throat> 39 minutes of gameplay um, the entire game. So. Outside of those two busted plays, and I was kind of asking you guys after the game, <clears throat> excuse me, do we feel differently if, if those busted I, – I think our defense is still in a great spot, and I think we sold out on those two plays and, and we just missed, and that's going to happen. Um, overall, it, overall, it doesn't make me feel any worse differently about the defense. I was a little disappointed in the first half, our rushing defense. has been so stout all year long, we really haven't given up hardly anything. And it seems like in the first half, when yeah. they wanted to run, they, they, they were getting chunk yeah. of six and eight yards yeah. consistently. Yeah, one was in the get, second half, we, we shored that up. I don't remember if it was Stutzman or who it was got out of their lane and opened up a counter that had a lot of success against us um, in a couple of early, I guess it was in the, it was in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was a little concerning. But, you know, they – Whatever adjustments they made, they, they, they really locked that down after yeah. that. Because if, if Iowa State was never so far behind they had to give up on the run, if they felt like, or, and they definitely tried to run, and felt like they, was, they were going to have success there, that was definitely something they could have done time-wise, and they just didn't. They didn't have the success they needed. So that was really good to see for sure. So very, very satisfied with the defense. Um, and I would say offense has made improvements. Um, now, it's interesting. You see how we've played now in only one hostile environment, and that was not a real good performance by the offense in Cincinnati. Every other game's been a, with a friendly crowd. Obviously, we had the dominant crowd at Tulsa, and at home we've got the, the relatively pretty friendly crowd um, rooting you on. So it worries me a little bit as we get into games on the road and, and uh, of course, Texas, that we will go into a shell again. I re that, that's going to be telling. And as a preview to what we'll talk a lot about when we get to the Texas game, it's going to be about can we overcome the challenge that is how difficult it is to play in that environment when you start to feel that pressure. Um, another thing that was difficult in going back for, for seeing so many times in games like the Texas game You've got to execute in the little stuff, and some of the little stuff is kicking. 
Tell us about the kicking game today, Connor, because you had some things to say about it. I mean, it's plain and simple, it's just bad. Like, I, I don't think it's even the field goals that Schmidt makes, they're not promising. They're not, you know, we've seen a good field goal kicker. He does not bang the ball through the uprights. More so, you come back out after kicking a field goal and you completely mishit your kick and you kick it out of bounds. And in closer games, it's, it's going to completely cost you. Um, yeah, that's 10 free yards. There's no excuse. I, it, I said it and I yelled it in the stands and it caused some controversy. Those guys are out on the field for one or two jobs. Schmidt, in Schmidt's case, he's out there for two jobs. To kick field goals well and to place kick well and kick it through the back of the end zone. And he can't do it. Effect, and consistently, at least. And then, I don't know. Or, or not kick it out of bounds. Just, not, just don't e- kick e- it out of e- bounds. Even if you're going to kick, don't kick right. it out of bounds. And then you, Maybe it was just a missed kick and that happens, but you don't, you don't get many at-bats. Exactly. You just can't. It's got to be, it's a, it's a loser's game where you've just got to be good and consistent and, and make them make the mistake. Yep. Don't give them free yardage. And then you go, to, you go to Plaster from a punter's perspective. I, he didn't kick the first one. Oh really? The other guy. Yeah, did? the other guy. Um, I don't know. Starts with the E. Yeah. Whatever his. Regardless. He the first punt was the other guy, and it wasn't very good. And then Plaster came in, and the second one, and like knuckleballed it. It was so well, bad. It's end over end. Yeah. As a punter. Yeah. When you're supposed to be kicking the ball up, on a spiral. It ended up being 43 yards, but it's only because he didn't kick it 20 feet off the ground, and it just right. rolled when it landed. And yeah. and if that's a – there's some guys, rugby style, they do that obviously by design. That's not what he's doing, I don't believe. So you, you either commit to one or you commit to the other, but you can't have some in between. It's not going to work out very well. So that's something we can't do. Yeah, um, Luke Elzinga, Elzinga. Is, the, mm-hmm. is the guy. Yep. So we've got to get better at that, and – you talk about special teams. Another thing that was a mistake, Fruit brings the ball out of the end zone. It looked like it was not something that anybody thought he was going to bring out. He brings it out and costs the team 10 yards plus a lot of um, impact. As we always criticize that if, if you're going to bring the ball out, you got to have a good chance of returning past 25 yards because you're, you're, you're taking risk and you're getting a lot of wear and tear. For what, a couple of marginal yards at best? Well, in that case, it was negative 10. Well, the blocking was set up to go left. and He ran parallel with the end zone for like seven yards. There was only two guys coming at him on the right side of the field. So I think he thought, if I can make this first guy miss, then I'll have a a jump on the second guy and I'll take this to the house. And the first guy got him. And I don't like that because we don't need to take that kinds of chances right those are not those are not the chances we need to take one hard hit and the ball's out and, and you're giving it up on the 10 yard line or you're you're stopped the way he was stopped and to be critical again of the offense our offense isn't good enough to count on them to go 90 yards or 85 yards if we get to that point then hey yeah run them out and if it's successful you get your the balls on the 50 or better if it's not, hey, who cares? Our offense can go down the field on him. But he went to the sideline and, not and we Venables to was kind of chewing his ass. And then it, it was time for him to go in the game because he was on that the, the <laughs> yeah. first. He was in the first lineup to go out there to start the drive. Uh, and, and, and so Brent wasn't done with he it. had the ball in his hand and he was looking to throw it to a ref. And Brent's just chewing him. And one of the other receivers, I can't remember who it was, 
was like tugging on him like hey we got to get out here we're gonna go run run some offense <laughs> yeah. and then i think he was kind of saved by the bell on that deal by <laughs> by getting to go go back out on the field and not have to stand next to brent on the sideline i'm for sure a few that's something minutes. you'll hear about tomorrow for sure yeah. and that's good it's a maybe it's a chance for a learning experience a little bit but we got to get he's been, he's been great up to this point he's right? been great except for the fumble against tulsa yeah. He's he's yeah. he's got to learn his role and the design of what we're trying to achieve. Don't do too much. Don't do too much. You don't have to do too much. Um, you're great. You're you're very you're obviously a very productive receiver, one of our best receivers, and that's saying something with our receiving core. Just do your job the way we want it done. Trust in the system. Trust in your coaches. Don't try to make something out of a difficult was situation. Was that the kickoff out of halftime? It had to have been, right? I uh, think it was. It was. It was. <clears throat> Speaking of receivers, Jaden Gibson today had the catch that he went up and snatched as he had a defender trailing him and a defender and a safety coming across to blow him up. He gets nailed, looked like a shot to the ribs, keeps his feet and spins away from him and runs in the end zone or runs to about the one yard line as two or three more guys come and tackle him and he muscles his way in. It was awesome. So the guy that we had problems with last year and even the spring game drop, yep. we, we talked in the off season, is this guy going to be elite enough to play for us if he's going to drop the ball all the time? Mm-hmm. And to this point, the dude's caught acrobatic catches. He caught the one today going over the middle with mm-hmm. certain danger bearing down on him. Yep. And I don't what did he catch on? About the, about the 15 or 20-yard yeah. line? Yeah. And he ends up getting out of that and still muscling his way in the end zone was was incredible. That, that was, position group is so good. It is so good, and and that's a lot about Emmett Jones, I think. Um, that that just yeah, and I, I love to see it out of Gibson. Um, it was a great throw. I love to see it. It was a really it good was throw. A good throw. Yeah. It was a very good. That throw. That was one where he led him real, like we led him perfectly. Yep. And and he did what we've seen our great receivers in the past 10, 15, 20 years do, and that's find a way to get the extra yards and get into the end zone. I mean. The other, last night we sat at the library with Ryan Broyles, and he was a guy who could do those things, and he would get it done. And that's what separates good from great and great to elite. And so I, I love seeing a guy make some elite type of moves like that, and that, that shows a drive and a competitiveness, I think, that you've got to take a lot of uh, uh, confidence and, and optimism out of to say this guy is not just trying to make the catch and turn around and be happy and satisfied with it. No, no. He wants to get to the end zone, and he's going to do what it takes to get there and, and do what it takes safely where those guys are clinging for life trying to bring him down. It's not like one of these situations where a guy's trying to get something extra and risking a fumble out of it. I felt so confident with him doing that. It, it's funny, and, and maybe this is misplaced or maybe it's somewhat accurate. It's sometimes when you're watching a guy, you're thinking, don't fumble, don't fumble. Go down. Go, go down. down. And then other times you're saying, yeah, you're just go, loving go, it. Go. go. And, and this was one of those go, go, get it. And it, it was it, – there was no I, – I raised my arms. I knew it was a touchdown at the five-yard line. I knew they weren't stopping him. I mean, those, that, those four – the four big guys that we have on the outside between Gibson, Anderson, Farouk, and Anthony, I mean – and now it's you have Brandon Thompson in there. And, and now you now got Thompson healthy. rotating in. And then yep. you look at the slot depth between Stoops, yep. Freeman, and yep. Petaway, who I still think Petaway needs to get on the field more. I think I he's going to be a guy who can I make plays. I want him to get on the field more. However, 
I did appreciate a few things out of Stogner tonight um, that, that were better than what we've seen. I want to see even more if he's going to get as many snaps as he's gotten. He's so, bad at, he's so bad at blocking, though. He is bad he's at blocking. He's so bad at blocking. And Stoops is so good at blocking. He's so good at blocking. He's very right. good at blocking. And Stoops is just, it's like his dad was a good coach or something. <laughs> because that kid, he fights. He, he muscles for yardage. He runs his routes right. He catches, and he always gets a couple of incremental yards. Um, he plays like a guy who weighs 50 more pounds than he does. He takes hits, and he looks for chances to punish a defense. I love it. I really, really like seeing everything that he does. I don't think I'm just caught up in the, in the kind of nostalgia and, and love of the fact that he's a Stoops kid. It's just really cool to see him out there and what he's doing contributing. If you could have many, many players like him with the attitude and the know-how and the nose for doing the right thing, you, you're going to go really, really far. And maybe that's something that I've, I'm sure a lot of fans and, and coaches too see in Gabriel. They see a guy who's, who's like that. And... Maybe I don't give him enough credit for that, but I I held my quarterback to a really high standard. If we're going to get to championship football, he's going to have to execute at a really, really high level. And I still am concerned he's not executing at that really high level that when we go up <clears throat> against top-notch defensive backs, we're going to see some some mistakes that, that you don't get forgiven, um, that if you throw a, a first and ten, you throw a deep ball that's intercepted, that's a, a really big deal in a, in a close game. Well, and I think, to your point earlier, I think, uh, I think the environment that Gabriel finds himself in says a lot. I mean, I am very intrigued and at the same time extremely nervous, like I think I said it last week on the podcast, of Gabriel deep in that Texas half next, next week. Yep. Having to get a third and seven at the, you know, 22-yard line to get out of that situation and to see if he is as poised as what we saw in some of the situations tonight and if he can go and not only stay in the pocket but make those those reads and, and go through the progressions that he went through tonight. Um, it's not easy in environments like that. And I think no, it's, it's going to be very, very telling of, of not only who he is as a quarterback but also where we're headed as a team for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and actually, I'm thinking about it as a hypothetical. If I were a player, I have no idea exactly what it'd be like. I've been to a lot of OU Texas games. I don't know what it's like to be out on that field. But it'd be really tough with Texas all around you and behind you and you're trying to get out of that end zone. It's also really tough as you're in the OU end of the field and you're looking down into that Texas side and you know that's your end you zone you've got to get to. Yeah. That's tough. That's really tough. And I'm sure it's one of two things. You either see that as all of these people are collapsing around it and that end zone's about as small as a, 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 a match uh, or a, a, you know, a matchbook, or it's as big as an ocean. And I feel like with people like Kyler and Baker, that's how they saw it. You remember that pass that Baker makes to Mark Andrews, uh, the confidence that came with that. It, it was like that's not an issue with him. Those those fans seemed so far away for the way that he conducted himself, and that's what you've got to do to have success in that game. And uh, we've we've seen it out of Texas quarterbacks who are able to do that um, versus the ones that you you know. I, I look at Vince Young, thinking about historically in his two games against OU, the first game. I feel like he was looking at something that everything was collapsing around him. And then the second game, 
the field was wide open. And so you, if you play like the field's wide open as a quarterback in that game, you can, you can really achieve a lot. And if it starts to collapse around you, it gets real tough real fast. It's going to be very much on, and I'm not trying to jump ahead to next week, but I mean, oh, let's do it. You, let's you talk look about at, it. You look at tonight, and a lot of Dylan's success was built on the play calling and, and what Jeff Levy was able to set up for me. It's like I said at the beginning, we were all going into this game with, with Iowa State, and Iowa State was the best defense in the Big 12 going into this game, and rightfully so. I mean, to Lucas's point, they may have been missing a safety or something like that. Regardless, I think they have depth on that side of the ball. We made them look silly in a lot of situations, and we did get behind a defense that we, over the last five to ten years, have not been able to get, to, get behind consistently um, and with, with better talent at quarterback. So... I think if, if Jeff really goes into that game and, and can draw up a, a scheme and, and a, a game plan to the level that we saw tonight in terms of success and, and consistency, um, I mean, we've got more than a fighting chance. It's just it's going to come down to the play calling, and then you got to put it on Dylan to say, can you go and execute it? So It's a completely different scenario this year because he actually has his starting quarterback going into that game when last year they were practicing Wildcat. They were trying to get yeah. Davis Bevel some snaps, yep. and we that were playing, was a disaster. We were playing all of like four wide receivers, so we don't know what's to come between Jeff Lebby and Texas DC, right? Because they didn't get any of that last year. Well, and you can look, yeah, you look at both of this. It's it's Dylan Gabriel's first game. Yeah, you can look at it in a sense. It's Jeff Lebby's first real game against Texas. Yeah, I hope so. he treats it like it is. Yeah, I don't want him to remember last year, and I I know that it's tough for for Dylan Gabriel because he is facing his first. Texas game, true Texas game. All he did last year was warm up, and I'm not going to get off on that <laughs> weird thing that we found completely ridiculous. I think but, he sets stuff up pretty early. I mean, I think he sets up some some of those short routes and some of the I, – I hope, Lucas, like what you said, I, I hope we see some of those just um, oh, curl routes up front. Yeah, Production get, routes. Just some – yeah, just, hey, let's get comfortable in it, yeah. especially if we're backed up on that side. Well – what I hope we don't do is two things, two fears I have. We come out on offense, and we try to force a deep ball, and we, hey, if it's a deep ball and he throws it well, great. But I'm scared for a deep ball that's like every deep ball we've almost seen this season. Um, and then the other is, we saw a flea flicker today. I don't want us to come out and try a couple of razzle-dazzle trick plays. I'll be delighted as anyone if they work. But it scares me to think you try a couple of things and they get stopped and the momentum and the, the crowd and everything shifts against you so dramatically. If you try to do some double reverse and it gets stopped, if it even gets just five yards, but definitely if it gets stopped in the backfield yeah. for a loss. That game defines itself really so tough. early. It's, it's wild. And the, to, to Dylan's credit tonight on that flea flicker, there was nothing forced downfield. I mean, he took the... I think it was an eight to nine yard gain or something like that. It wasn't a very big gain on he the. He didn't throw flicker. it very well though. It was not a well thrown ball, but it was also not a. It wasn't a stupid throw where he's like, "I have to. This is a trick play. I need something big out of it. I'm throwing it 40 yards downfield into triple coverage yeah. type of thing." Well, another so, thing to criticize there in sort of trick plays. So I'm going to generalize and then have a, a specific example from tonight. Several of the things we've tried to set up as trick plays or tricky plays, if you will, and new wrinkles have not worked this season. And that's against lesser opponents. We've seen several things with Jackson Arnold. 
we've seen a couple of times when um, either he's under center and we look like we're going to pass out a bit, didn't work out. We've had a couple of things where he, it, both he's in and Dylan's in, and he's as a wide out, and they recognized it and did it. Tonight specifically, one time, it's, it's uh, helped me with this, I think it was right at the end of the half, he, they, they roll out a uh, major as a wide out, and they weren't covering it initially. And I think that was a wrinkle that then they recognized we didn't snap the ball soon enough there were about 15 or 20 Iowa State players on the field. If Rame yeah. just oh. snaps the ball, we're clear, yeah. but Iowa State calls the timeout. And I may be confusing two things together, but in another they finally did cover major. I think it's the same play. And so it, it seems like they're trying to set some stuff up, but again, this is speculation. I worry that that is stuff that works at UCF and stuff that even works at Mississippi against some of the lesser teams and that kind of um, uh, goofy little we're going to trick you and catch you off guard stuff is just not going to work in the big games against really and good it's coaching stuff that, staff. It's stuff that Dylan's not used to running as well, I don't think, in this offense. I mean, I loved – I mean, it was – I was pretty pumped when I saw Major go out and we were running the five wide. Yeah, I was, was like, a, "Oh, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna run him. We're gonna run him in motion in the backfield." No, we snapped the ball. I mean, it, I don't think the play was successful, but I do I do like the five wide look, and it was a five wide without a tight end as well. There was a lot of four wide with a tight end today, for. which we yeah we we mentioned that the last couple of weeks yeah. that that we thought that may open up the run game a little bit, but if these teams are going to give us intermediate passing, yeah, with you know, with three receivers, if we can get a fourth in there yep. and have have them go deep, that's going to open up the middle even more. Yeah. Did so, Iowa State have any sacks today? So, no, I don't believe mm -hmm. so. I mean, I I appreciate the fact that Levy's listening to the podcast and he's yeah. picking up on the things we're we're laying down. If he, he wants to bring us year. in, we could you know we we can be full time analysts and and give him a lot of creativity there. I don't think they have to be so creative. I hope they don't think they have to be so creative to have quirky little trick plays i i don't want us to be gimmicky i want us to do things that are effective what i fear is that you think you have to be gimmicky um there's two kinds of gimmicky things that i worry about one version is coaches fear that if they keep doing something that's working it'll be labeled as gimmicky and i don't care do what's working and the other is they think when they don't have to that they have to be gimmicky. And they overthink it. They outthink themselves. And we get into situations where the risk-return is just not really good. That's I'd rather the trap us, I want Texas to be in next I, Exactly. Week, absolutely. Right? I want them to try to do some stuff against our defense, and our defense just shuts it down. Because we've got playmakers on an island that can execute. Yep. Unlike what we've seen in years past, and we witnessed some of that today as we watched the USC-Colorado game, which is just more of that ridiculous guys can't make tackles guys can't uh, make a move in space and can't execute now we have a defense that really appears that they can shut things down and do their job and be in the right position so i would love to see texas think that they're going to get by with some stuff that has worked in the past against us and absolutely will not work uh going forward you and I don't, don't, I don't want us to try that stuff offensively ourselves. I think the most interesting part of this game is what will the officials be doing. Um, tonight was another, another horrendous, ridiculous ref refereeing situation. Yeah, I've got multiple notes on this. Um, let's see if we haven't talked about this. So let's see if you're hitting the same all right. notes that we have. Um, 
on the first drive, uh-huh. um, they were we weren't subbing, but twice. they were holding the ball twice. two plays in a row. Yep. When we didn't sub, holding the ball to let them let yeah, I was I, sub. that that was it made no sense. We were all asking ourselves. The crowd picked it up. Yeah, on we, the second one and started booing. I thought I didn't notice. I like I said I, I this can't be right. I, I must have missed that we subbed. We were on the the coaches were on the sideline throwing their arms up in the air and they're like we didn't sub. Why are you holding the ball for them? You need to place the ball because we're running a hurry up. Yep. and you're letting them sub, which is insanity. It's incompetence. All right, uh, I've got the holding call. Yep. On the first offensive possession was a perfectly executed pancake. Yep. yep. I think it was. Was it on Guyton? <clears throat> yes. Uh, okay. Number seventy, I think. Uh, is he? I think he's sixty. Okay. Uh, maybe I don't know. Whatever was on, it was a perfect. It was a pancake. It was a pancake block. Same thing with the wide receiver hold that we got late in the game. That I think. Uh, yeah. It was. Whoever number. Uh, yeah, it was Hester. Yeah. It, it, that that one could have gone either way to me. He, it, he had a little no. bit, of, but if we had him on the inside, which is what they say you you can get away with and holding, as long as you don't get him outside the shoulder pads. And he had him on the inside. I think it was kind of turned him. It was arguable, but yeah, it was on the big Marcus Major run. Yeah, it was the one where the he, sixty yard run. He right? ran. Yeah. yeah, he was ran down the left and then fought his way back. Yeah. All right, I've got. Um, let's see. That was the, when the ref on the sideline. The female ref on the sideline signaled a first down on a third and five stoops catch, and then the officials were saying it was fourth down still. She literally waved it's a first down to move the chains. And they moved the chains. Then they decided to move the chains correctly, and then they decided. And then I, did Iowa State call a timeout? Yes, they called a timeout to get a review. To get a review, and they and then on the it. review, everything we saw on the jumbotron looked like he had got the line to gain on the 18 yard line. I remember it specifically. He caught it on about the 18 and a half and got one small lunge forward. And then forward progress, and then he's backwards. And then he got pushed back, but they ruled it a first down, and then they went to the booth. How which do you me, overturn it? That one should have been play calls Stance. a stands. It's right. a first down. Not enough to overturn. No, but they overturn it and made it a fourth and a half. And we made it. And then we barely got that. He yeah, got, barely got it. He got yeah. one yard on Frustrating the fourth and a half. Frustrating, barely got that one, actually. Exactly. All right, and then we've got... Um, Let's see. Uh, Why you're the looking PI, at those, the, There was a PI on a pa- on a tipped pass. Yes, yeah. which I saw the I saw the pass get tipped. Right. Originally. Right. And then there was the PI flag that was thrown. Right. Which they correctly picked that flag up because the ball was tipped to the line of scrimmage. But what they should have called was a holding right. on that res- on that right. corner. On, on, exactly. exactly. Because as soon yes. as he made his break inside, he he's, was getting held before the held. ball came exactly. out. Exactly. So then the tip ball on the PI doesn't matter. It's right. A, it's you a just holding. say it's a holding. It's not a it's not a PI. Exactly. But no, they, they picked it up all together. Yep. And I think we we, we kicked we, a field goal. We, yeah, we yeah, settled we, for a field we goal. We settled for a field goal there. Um, in, in a close game, that's going to that be was very the, critical. Uh, that was after the uh, the block punt. Yep. Yep. And there were several of those down there like that. There was that. a third and ten on the drive after the block punt where the defender got away with, with the pulling Anthony's arm down before the ball gets there so he yep. couldn't complete the catch. We settled for a field goal. Yep. That was a four-point swing because that was inside the, like the ten or something like that. when they He literally went to go make the catch, and the defender pulled his arm down, yep. which it seems like Andrew Anthony's always getting one of his always arms pulled his down. Always getting his arms down, yes. And he's still been able to make the catches yes. a lot of the times, which is – Props to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple teeny things for us, like uh, we were going to kick a field goal and we were short a player, 
and dude runs all the way from yep. the sideline. Yep. And then Iowa State did a smart thing and they subbed somebody out, so we had to burn a timeout. Right. And then we missed the field goal. But that was that was poor execution on our part. It's not hard to have your full – if you're on the field goal team, you're on the damn field goal team. Right. It's what, mean, it's what Brent Venables said should never happen you're kicking in his press field goal. conference. You know who's on that offensive line when he's talking and about who the holder is and who the kicker is. Get out there and take yep. care of it. There's, yep. You should never be in that situation. Yep. So not on the officials, on us yeah. on that one. Yeah, that was on it. I was done with the officials. So I got two more things about officials. I hit all of those. Those were great. We saw it too, independently. Up there? And all the way up there? All the way up wow. there in the, in, where the, TV, you know, the, the cameras are and everything. Yeah. And then my friends, uh, in, including one who's in the end zone, saw the same stuff. So in addition to all of that, I'll give two other critical things since we're going to be real critical here of just incompetence or unprofessional or just not good at your job. One is on one of those um, where it was pass interference and we're, it's first and goal at the 10, or at the, excuse me, at the two-yard line because of the pass interference, they signaled that it should be third down and then got it corrected. And then another one was a kickoff. They, they, the White Hat never signaled for the clock to start, so the ball was kicked with 25 seconds on it, it never, <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't matter, but it's just like, that's elementary, that's elementary yeah. stuff you're supposed to do. Yep. And so I don't know if that supports the contingency that they're just incompetent and yep. it's not a conspiracy, but it's bad. It's yep. really bad. It's probably 60-40 incompetence to conspiracy. I, I would say it's 60-40 incompetence to bias. I don't think it's a pure conspiracy, yeah. but... Uh, it's it's bad. However, you look. And then at what it. was that crap show <laughs> right before half, where Iowa State got like five penalties in a row on yes. various pass interferences? No, and, that's one of those that oh, they signal it wrong uh, on the first. And well, I tell you another thing. Right after another thing to be nitpicky, but it's picked up on. It was picked up by my friend who's an official. They let them run through our run to the end zone. So it's it's excuse me to the locker room. So it is the, the end of the half, and everybody's dispersing, and we're headed, our team, to the end. They let them come through us instead of holding them the mm -hmm. way they're supposed to. Yeah. It's a and little it's thing. It's a crisscross situation. Yeah. yeah. It's the kind of thing that starts a fight. It's yeah. the kind of thing that has trouble. You just don't do and that. And it got a little chippy at the end. The, it did. There was a lineman, 54, for Iowa State, that yeah. after the play yes. – Yep. was kind of bulldogging one of our defenders, and he stood up. He's bulldogging. It was PJ. And then he, then he grabbed a hold of him again yeah. and tried slinging him, and then our guy started fighting back, and I was like, oh, this is going to be – Right. They're going to blow it on us because the, the second guy usually gets it. And he, Yeah. But this was two moves by the off, offensive yeah. lineman, and then one by our, and then they ended up breaking him up and not calling And I anything, appreciate PJ thankfully. Um, not doing what would be the emotional thing to do, which is to throw a hand, throw a hand or, or something. Yeah. But he did – he stood up, kind of stood his ground. Uh, one of his fellow teammates came over and, and intelligently pulled him out of the situation. Yeah. But um, it's a kind of thing that an official, if they're biased or if they're just wanting to get a hold of a situation, takes it out potentially on you as a player, and it could be a really bad situation. You could get a 15-yard penalty there. Or you, you could miss be, the first half the next game. you could be kicked out of the game. Yeah. So that was that was something Which that was I think a little we'll need frustrating. PJ Texas. Yeah, I think we're going to need everybody we can get. So that 
maybe that concludes the officiating sucks in the Big 12 segment <laughs> that seems to be a recurring yeah. segment yeah. Uh, here and will be probably for the next six, seven games for sure. It will be interesting to see how they call this game and what exactly they do or if we just see it. And, and that's the thing about incompetence or just not being good at your job. It could break either way. I don't want to win this game by bad officiating that goes our way, and I damn sure don't want to lose this game by bad officiating that goes against us. I want to see well-officiated, do your job, make sure we're playing a clean game, and don't interject yourself into it, Mike DeFee and others. Um, just don't make it about yourself. And, and I, I fear that we get into a situation where they, they make it about them in this game, thinking that they need to, to play a role. So what other thoughts do you guys have from what you've seen in the first five games as we head into what is by far our biggest challenge on, I'm not gonna just say on paper, it's gonna be our biggest challenge throughout the entire regular season here. It's our biggest up. ranked matchup in, since the playoff, since 2019, I think, right? I mean, this is the highest-ranked team we've played since LSU in the playoff. Yeah, and even if it's not technically, it, it is. And even if it's not, it's by far the toughest game. Um, we just You don't face many games like this if you're anyone, but especially with the schedule we're playing, this is going to be a real um, milestone game, figuring out who you are, what you're capable of, what you're – your trajectory is and your ceiling and even win or lose it's going to determine what happens the rest of the year you win this game and don't rest on your laurels but you have complete control of your destiny if you don't win this game you still have control of it but you're in a desperate situation of you can't slip up at that point a lot of texas's success today looked like and i, I didn't watch the whole game but from from what i did watch a lot of what yours throws is those in between the linebackers and the safeties where I, I do actually worry about our coverage. I worry about I worry about our linebackers if and McCullough coverage a little bit. Back into coverage, yeah, and yeah. McCullough looked a little frozen a few times today um, in the first half, stopping his feet and, and not really, I think, instinctually trusting himself where he should. Um, so you got to hope that cleans up, especially, I mean, we, we heard after the game, Harrington is out for the season, season-ending surgery. Um, so it's it's going to be McCullough out there starting. Um, uh, Pearson got a little bit of run in the second half. Pearson looked pretty good. He made a good open field tackle. Yeah. So I, I worry about that that a little bit going into the game. I do think, like I said, I mean, if, if Lebby and Gabriel can get on the same page and they're clicking like they were tonight, it's it's going to be fun in Dallas. I mean, I think, it, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think Texas is going to be able to score points. I do. I think their offense is good enough. I think uh, not that our defense has any knocks against them. I think I think we play really good, but um, Texas is just a good football team. And these are the games that if you want to talk about not only conference championships, but potential playoff spots and anything like that, they're games that you're going to have to figure out ways to kind of uh, weather that adversity and get through it and, and come out on top. So... Yeah, that's true. We've only trailed in the Cincinnati game by a field goal. Three. That was yep. it. Mm -hmm. um, we've faced very limited adversity. We might be down by two touchdowns going into halftime. And you want to be able to 
not right regroup yeah. and figure out a way to win a, a ball game in that situation. It's not a very homer take of you predicting be two touchdowns. I didn't two predict we would. I said you could be. <laughs> the fact is we're going to be up probably by four or five touchdowns mm. going to have to. So by the same token, you could be up 14 points going into halftime. I remember to, to go back and, and try to think about a couple of parallels potentially you look back at 99 and 2000. So in 99, we're up by double digits against Texas, and we end up losing that game. We, we relied on trick plays. We um, were out playing them. We kind of caught them off guard. But eventually, their really good play and talent caught up to us, and we weren't able to close the, the deal. And so you worry about a situation where you think you've got it in the bag at two touchdowns, and that's not going to be in the bag. And at the same token, you could have a situation where they are caught off guard and you want to close the deal the way we were able to do in, in 2000 was just amazing what we were able to do to them. You look at 2001, where it's a really close game. It's a 14-3 to eventual final score, but it's really just 7-3 to when the Superman play happens. Yep. And that that game was in doubt all the way to the yeah. end of the game. It was about maybe six minutes because we get two more shots at it. We, we get the touchdown, and they have the maybe three. They get the ball they again, and, and Roy intercepts yeah. again. So I think that was at the end of the game, right? It was that. the – oh, yeah, it was right so at the I end of the game. I think it was inside of three minutes. It probably was inside of three. Back. It was really – it was not a lot. Yeah. But it was enough that they still had a chance if – they well, could have scored enough to, to, to win, but it, right. it's never certain is the, is the yeah. point. Yeah. So you, you want to be obviously in a position where you've got a lead that you can hold – don't think that you're going to be in a position that you can just um, coast into a victory if you've got a good lead. How about the clock management today? It seemed a lot better. I texted the group at one point and I said, this is when we should be snapping it inside of 10. And we were still snapping it 18 to 20 for that series. But then when they came back out for the next series, then they started actually snapping it inside <clears throat> of 10. Yeah, like I said, it was it was for me. I would have done it the series before. Yeah, but it it looked like they had finally learned their lesson. You know, like the OSU game last year when they should have been doing it earlier. Well, and, and next even week, though it was what it was, um, what was the score at that point? Forty-seven to twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm I'm ready to. First of all, the first half lasted two full hours, which was insane. But at that point, we're like, okay, we got a twenty-seven point lead here. It's in the early fourth quarter. Let's literally start running the ball, collecting first downs, and snapping it inside of 10 so we can make this game shorter. Everybody can go home. We can have less risk of injury. And, less wear and tear. And work on our not necessarily huddling up, but not running up there at 28 seconds and then snapping it at 10. They, they kind of did a little bit more milling around and then – lining up with 12 seconds and snapping it at eight, which I like that better yeah. than... Oh, absolutely. You don't want your offensive linemen standing in their stance for, for 15 That's seconds. That's a chance to jump off sides. Yeah. Well, sure. and, and, and like I said, like next week you're going to be... You're going to have to do stuff like that. If you have a lead in the third and fourth quarter, you're going to have to understand that... Here's Every how, second counts. Here's how we need to work this. And, and not only that, if you are managing the clock well... Not only to be able to manage it well, but also convert on plays that you need to convert on when you're doing that. Yeah. So when you're snapping those balls at eight second, eight seconds on the on the play clock, 
and going and getting that first down that you need to do that again and again and again. Um, I don't know. It's it it's a true test next week. I we, mean, it is a true true we, test. We were six of fourteen on third down today, and three of three on fourth downs. Um, so that's good to see. Six of fourteen. Six of fourteen is not as good as I want. Great, but, but it's not terrible. Right. Um, but being able to convert on three of those fourth downs is yeah. awesome. And it tells you about how good we were on third downs that didn't convert that we end up being uh, yeah, fourth and two, close enough yeah. that we're able to get it. So I thought it was frustrating as it turned out that Jackson Arnold wasn't able to get into the game as soon as I would imagine. I'm going to speculate here and ask you guys to speculate that they wanted to get him in the game sooner, but things didn't fall exactly as they wanted. I think they wanted to sc- score on a drive that we end up not scoring on. And then, of course, the Gabriel interception made it even more difficult to where we can't get him in the game when we want to get him in the game. And then when he does get in the game, it's really just, um, you know, run the run it to the end type of uh, type of a situation. Um, so what are you showing me? Go ahead and tell me. I can't uh, see it. Washington and Arizona's 31-24, the oh, minute left. Oh, over that game as we want. Yeah, as we're, as I we're mean, they're, here they're probably going to be able to run the clock out to, to end this, but okay. that's really – what was the line in that game? Uh, 17 and a half. 17 and 16. It was a lock, and they lost it. It finished at 20. Washington was favored by 20. And um, there was there was some interesting college football today there was. besides our game. There's quite a quite a bit, quite a bit of uh, stuff going on that you wonder if, if uh, these teams are going to be able to seal the deal in some of these more difficult schedules that others are facing. But we'll have our own difficulty for sure. It'll be interesting when we play Kansas if we're going to face um, – Daniel, who has not did not play today against Texas, I can't find the Washington game as I'm trying to pull it up here. Go on Pac-12 Network. Oh, no, never we mind. We're not going to yeah. find it. Um, so that, but it's all it's all pretty apropos for what we're trying to achieve and who the competition is out there. We're all in this hunt to try and get to, obviously, conference championships and playoffs. We have a really good opportunity to get to the playoff if we can take care of business and do what we we want to do but we also have to we want to be good enough to be in that playoff we want to hit the next level and, and next week is when we will get to see are we there and can we get good enough to be there so here's a homer take on it as i look back and think about where we've been in the past i'm going to go back to the last time we had a left-handed quarterback with a, a coach in his second year that was 2000 in a in a game that we um Came in as an underdog. Texas is a top five team in that in that year. We're just around the tenth spot, eleventh spot. We're probably going to be twelfth coming into the game. So I'm not predicting 63 to 14, but I'm saying that there's an opportunity here that maybe we are holding back and we'll be able to show them the true power of this uh, this Death Star, and maybe we can unleash things. Or is this as good as we are? And what we've seen is what we're going to see. So that'll be real. T- if what we've seen is what we're going to see, I'll be honest with you, it's not going to be good enough to beat Texas twice. It's, it may be good enough to beat them once. It's not going to be a playoff. It may be a playoff team by hook or by crook, but it's not going to be a team that's going to have a great chance at the playoff. If we can elevate and, and get better in this coming week in terms of a game plan for it, and, and if there's stuff that we haven't seen that, that we can really unveil, 
we may be a really damn good football team. We may be really, really good. I think what we've seen is probably about what we are. That being said, I I think it with this team, it's going to boil down to now it's going to boil down to execution and being able to take that to the level of, all right, this is who we are. Now we have to make this what we're going to be in terms of an elite football team. I agree with you. I think uh, I saw a good quote today or yesterday, I guess yesterday at this point. Um, OU is the quietest ranked team out there. I very much believe that. I, no one's talking about us. We haven't really been on center stage. Yeah, there was a big noon kickoff last week. Nobody gave a crap about that. Everyone was watching the, the Colorado-Oregon uh, debacle that was up in Eugene. This is the chance to have that coming out party as uh, if you're Brent Venables very much and everyone like else. 2000. Very much like 2000 where if this is, if this is the point where we're going to do it, it it's got to be in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas against a powerhouse Texas team who everyone nationally is all over and all about. And we've got to go shut that narrative up. And I think at that point, and we've been saying it every single, every single podcast and every single week, no one's going to respect us until we do that. Um, I want to go make we Texas aren't, go, we aren't not back. Re- we aren't, exactly. <laughs> Is that we, a thing? We are not going to respect We're going to make it Can a we thing. make them not back? We're right. going to make it. We're going to put them back. <laughs> and I, I may be even semi in the boat of, of a, lot of these, a lot of these guys. Is if we – Anderson did have a touchdown today. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry, we're watching the, the OU highlights right now on, on, uh, on SportsCenter. Um I think we, we if we go and beat Texas, that's when I fully am on that ship and I'm ready to go. So I agree. And and it's interesting, so they're showing some great highlights and our highlights do look great. Um Gabriel had a chip on his shoulder today, I feel like. He did. That's a great way to put it. That's a real good point. He, the running plays, he was finishing the runs, running into the Iowa State guys. Um he was it, I don't, it was weird, it was like he threw the ball with more pur- purpose today. Yeah. And that, I don't know how you get to game five, and you're just now getting to that. But even his couple deep balls, well, the one that f- fluttered a little bit uh, that Brennan Thompson had to come back for. But but the one where he threw to Nick Anderson in the north end zone, I thought he was – Stoops had, was on kind of a corner route along, to go to the sideline. And I was like, Stoops is open. And then I look, <clears throat> and he's releasing the ball as Anderson's coming across. Wide open. Wide open. Wide and then open. the safety tried to roll at the last second and get him. But, yeah. but that was one a rare move for me when I didn't see the guy that was open. Well, Stoops was open too. But I didn't see the guy coming over the middle for the touchdown. But Dylan Gabriel did. And that, that's a little mark of improvement to me. It is. And I'll say about – I love that what you say about playing with a chip on your shoulder. Um it wasn't Baker level, but no. it wasn't it wasn't too far off because no. it he was, was it he was wasn't yelling. the Gabriel we've been used to. He was yeah, he was yelling at our guys if they made the like um was it Anderson that made the wrong route move on that on the east sideline when he should have stopped and he kinda yes. kept running. Yes. And Gabriel threw to a spot that right. Anderson wasn't there. Right. And then he kinda gave him one of those, Come on man, you're supposed to know what to do. He was on a quarterback that coverage he was being or whatever. A quarterback. Yeah. And that like we've all we've all given him credit for being a good leader, the, you know the dime time retreat that they do and all that. Everybody raves about how brotherhood and stuff that is, but today it looked like a different Dylan Gabriel on the field. Yes, with his 
uh, moxie, let's say. I agree. I, 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 I really and I hope that's a sign that. of things to come. I hope so, too. I think, I think it was a really good sign, and it's what we want. We, we talk about the leadership in the summer, and that's one thing. But leadership on the field and saying, you know what, this is my team. Yep. And I've been listening to the two homers in a realist pod, and they're challenging me, and I'm going to rise to the occasion. I'm not going to sulk. I'm going to say, to hell with you guys. I'm going to show you what I can do, and I love it. Yep. I want them to do that, and that's what it's going to take to win this game, and that's what it's going to take to have championship-level football. That's the thing that we've seen out of Jackson Arnold in little uh, moments, and that's the thing that we hope for out of Jackson Arnold in the future. I'd love to see it in, out of Gabriel this season. If he can bring that to the table and he can come into a game and say, I'm going to win this football game, not by not by playing uh, Superman football, not by being a hero, no hero ball here. He's just, I know what my job is, and I'm going to make everybody better, and we're going to get it done. That's going to be the difference maker of if we can get to that level and win this kind of a game. And unlike in 2000 where we faced Red October, and it just got more difficult after that going to Kansas State and then having Nebraska, the number one team in the nation at home. This is it for us. We get through this, and, man, we're in the driver's seat. We elevate ourselves probably. I mean, if you beat Texas on Saturday, you're pushing top five. If you're not, if you're not voted into the top five and you elevate to there, I'm going to say they're still not respecting us, and they should. And what's it going to take? But by the end of the season, you're going to be there if you take care of business because we're not going to face a challenge like this going forward. I mean, the Big 12 is eating itself alive right now. Mm -hmm. Baylor came back from a huge deficit. They were down 35-7 to in the third quarter against UCF, came back and won. West Virginia goes to TCU and wins. Um, whether, uh, well, Kansas got blown out by Texas, but they didn't have a starting quarterback. Uh, it's, Which says a lot about what Kansas is. Yeah, I mean, it's coming yep. down. It's it's OU Texas. It's OU and Texas. And whoever wins this game has the, the driver's seat for making it to the Big 12 title game, but also possible playoff. Yeah, And everything. everybody else is just in everybody else at this point. And one thing that might be helpful, I know that's something that's contentious, but having Texas beat Kansas today, probably helps OU situation to be an OU Texas um, championship game because if there's a tiebreaker situation that well that prevents potentially a tiebreaker situation um, again we've got to take care of business but if every team in the Big 12 finds themselves into two or three losses and we've only got one and Texas only has one or none then we're looking at the two of us in the last Big 12 title game for us in Texas. And you're playing each other. a you're playing a quarterfinal for the playoff. And, and college game day is going to be college game day is going to be in. They they announced it two hours ago. They're good good. They should be. That's yep. that's a hell of a game. And I, I don't see why you wouldn't be there um, if you're looking at the schedule and understand like we're talking about right now. This is the game for both of these teams because Texas took care of business and beat Alabama. This is the team. This is the game for the Big 12 Conference, and whoever wins is the team to beat, um, and they're the the odds-on favorite to make the playoff. With the other team still in the hunt, still very alive. So I want to see us come out and have a really strong showing. I'm excited about it. We're going to cover a lot of the stuff in the midweek pod. Anything else to cover about the big victory tonight against Iowa State, 50 to 20? Anything else that we need to highlight or talk about? I had a couple things about the – there were some tech issues at the game. Um, they did the thing where you point to the QR code on the screen and then it, 
people can click on it and it pulls up your phone. Right. And, and it shows the people in the stands, like essentially selfies. Right. And which the first game they did that, yeah, yeah. I was on it for like, I don't know, 30 seconds before other people started popping in. But today that didn't work. No, it didn't work. It was weird. Yeah. And then last year when they started this blinking or this flashing light fourth quarter thing on the OU Sooners app, you would go into a section called Sooner Lights and you clicked on it. And it would and it sync synced, with it. It synced your phone camera or your right. phone flashlight right. with the stadium and it would do all these cool flashlight things around the stadium and all that. And today it was just, hey, turn your flashlights on and we're going to have red on the jumbotron and yeah. it wasn't i don't know what why it went backwards in tech like yeah, that's why, a little why did, disappointing why did they not make it as good as last year's yeah when it already worked i agree so i thought that was strange but, <laughs> but I, only only known to people in the stadium i did like the fact that they waited to start the go to strobe lights and everything after a touchdown an appropriate amount of time to make sure the play was completed yeah. so that we didn't have a, an issue with replay, any replay or yeah. whatever. That was good. Um, but it is surprising because they've been so good about so many things surrounding tech and, and all of the video. Again, the, the intro video was great. They're yeah. doing a great job with all of that. And it's all part of being SEC ready for next year with, I think they're with getting all there. that stuff. I and think they're getting it, there. Like I said, for people that weren't in the stands, you probably don't care about it, but it was just interesting that we didn't we haven't moved forward or even stayed static on that it was like we were for our first night game yeah and we don't know so the tcu game is at 11 a.m kick um we may have on black friday one more night game we maybe have the ucf two. game coming maybe up two we've got ucf and west virginia after that so that um, potentially two um so they, they could get that rolling again i and it's not the end of the world. No, it's it not just, the end of the it's world. Just, it's just, just one more thing you want to get done. If you got recruits coming in, yeah. you want it to be as picture perfect as you can. Yep. And so that's that's something for them to to kind of go back and on and, the chalkboard and get and better Chris at. And Chris Plank, when he gives his updates, oh. one one of the updates he gave was um, Ole Miss L- LSU. Ole Miss LSU. And the, the game, game was ended five over, minutes before, and he said that and he, he said, said that LSU was winning. It was forty nine forty seven LSU. And the game had ended five minutes before where Ole, Ole Miss, Miss won, won 55-49. Yep. I, I don't understand how he can't check his phone before right. he gives that rundown. It's embarrassing. And this isn't the first time. No. I mean, this is no, years no, no, and years <laughs> of him saying, oh, the score of this game is this, but that's 20 minutes old, yep. and it's not anywhere close to being accurate. To me, that's embarrassing, and it's frustrating. It. Why even bother? I mean, I know it's a mid, mid totally first sponsor agree. or whoever the sponsor is. If I'm mid first, I'm fired it? up about yeah. it. Like, get it right, get it right. man. Yeah. Um, and it's little things like that. You you want to be hitting on all cylinders. So that's that's a good point. It's 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 a little thing, but little things matter. Yeah. And we want little things to work. Um, we want them to work in all facets of the program. Um, they're doing a little bit better job on security and getting us into games, but that that could be even better than what it is. Um, so it's little things that we need improvement on. If we're going to see the types of crowds that we anticipate and the visiting crowds we anticipate, we're going to have to see things improve. We haven't gotten a chance to get down. I didn't get a chance to get down and see any of the uh, tailgating on the south side of the stadium or anything, so I don't know the status of that. But I hope that that continues to get better and it needs to get a lot better really fast. We need to figure that stuff out. 
And we'll get into the whole visiting team are going to get to have the best seats in the entire stadium. That's we'll, gonna, we'll talk about that on the midweek. We're going to talk about that on the midweek pod because that's, that's got to be the uh, it's the midweek bye week pod. It, it'll be uh, the. It, it, I don't know if it can wait that long. <laughs> it'll be one, one of many realist rants, I'm sure, that we'll get out of our. The atmosphere, our the atmosphere tonight was pretty solid, though. The atmosphere was good. The crowd was good. I would say the crowd was as loud and as engaged as we've seen it in a long time. Uh, getting some nods from the audience here in the in the studio. Um, our our one of our um, people here was is an Ohio State fan, and he was saying how good he thought the crowd was and how engaged they were. So um, he thought that they were pretty fired up. He didn't like the fact that they were giving him a hard time being an Ohio State fan. But wearing hell, Ohio State gear, meant to hell with <laughs> him with that. I'm surprised he didn't paint his face and do all that goofy stuff that those people do and wear a bunch a, of nuts. a jersey. Bunch of nuts. But, it, it, it is get, the atmosphere is getting better. The support's there. The team is looking great. We're five and zero. Oh, a lot of momentum. A lot of things working in the right direction. It, it's a turning point for the program. We've seen turning points here entering Brent's second year, and man, this is a real opportunity to elevate yourself again to a next level. If we can win, if we can have just a good, solid game against Texas to set up a rematch, but boy, if we can win this game. Man, this is going to be awesome. It's a chance us. to get Steve Sarkeesian back on the drinking wagon. I want, <laughs> I want to see a bottle of bottle of booze in his hand after this game because he's it. so upset. Yeah, no, I will, I will happily. That's probably that. maybe we'll get a sponsored. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a sponsor <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, we're going to cover all of that in the midweek. We're we're going to cover um, everything that's going to take to win the Texas game. Our excitement for it. So we'll 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 interlace it with some history. I want to talk about. Tobacco Exchange, our great sponsor for the post game. Thank you again to them. Three great locations. Please go and visit them. Um, always running some great specials. We'll see if they get another special going in October for you. But just go in there. Best prices in the metro area. Great staff. Mention the pod. Mention the pod. Tell us. Tell Love to tell hear them about you guys. You, tell them that you, you listen to the pod and you're fired up and you've got a, a big view about the things we're saying. And until the midweek and and. This is Beat Texas Week. Uh, go Sooners. Um, Texas sucks. And until then, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.